Philip McMahon's new play, Once Before I Go, will have its world premiere at Dublin's Gate Theatre on the 1st of October. The play is set against the backdrop of Dublin's burgeoning gay rights movement of the 1980s and 90s and the contemporary LGBTQ plus community of today. Philly McMahon joins us now to explain it a little bit more. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very happy to be talking to you and I'm even more happy that I'm talking to you about a play that is happening on a stage in a room with people in it. It's very exciting. Yeah, what's it been like for you? It's been crazy. Um, it's been a lot of things, I think, for everybody. It's been, you know, I've been calling it the psychic roller coaster. Um, but thankfully, you know, as everybody knows, entertainment has been really one of the last industries um, to be thought of in a way. And so, like, it's great that things are opening. We were afraid with this show and with any show that we would play to audiences of 50, mm. which is, you know, it is an audience. Great. Um, but the recent lifting of restrictions means that uh, venues can now have 60 percent of capacity. So that's gone up. So, yeah, we're, we're ready to smash it. But things have gone from, you know, zero to hectic very quickly. Yeah. And how are those muscles feeling? <laughs> the muscles you hadn't stretched for a while. <laughs> the lemon drizzle muscles. Um, <laughs> uh, listen, it's just great to be back in a rehearsal room. You know, yeah. for any of us that work in theatre, live music, film, whatever, you know, we are creatures to those kind of um, crafts and industries. And so when we're not doing them, you know, we feel like that we're kind of at sea without a lifeboat. Yeah. Uh, so to be back in a room with other creatives, amazing actors at the gate, uh, incredible creative team. Mm -hmm. And uh, for anyone that's thinking of coming to the show at the gate, you know, people that are used to being in that room, they've totally transformed the auditorium. They've now done, it's now set out like a cabaret supper club so it's reduced capacity so that it's really comfortable for everybody and they're just like ready to put on this amazing show after 18 months of mm. being dark really so it's going to be really special yeah it's very exciting so I said a little bit about the play in my introduction but obviously you know a lot more about it than I do so maybe you could explain a little bit about what people can expect yeah I Selena Cartmel from The Gate said to me you know have you got an idea for a play this was back in uh, 2019 and I kind of thought, well, I never really imagined that I would work at the Gate Theatre, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't in my line of vision. And I suppose that I had come up through, um, you know, youth theatre and informal education and all of that kind of stuff. And the Gate really never seemed like it was on my radar. So I kind of thought, if I'm going to write something for the Gate, I have to write something that's so entirely me. So I was like, let me write the gayest thing that I can imagine, right? <laughs> and uh, And by that, what I really wanted to do was, I think... I wanted to write, like, what are the concerns of LGBTQ plus people in Ireland today? Mm. And I think that uh, with marriage equality, there was this kind of an incredible shared moment across the country about, like, live and let live, celebrate each other, you know, um, fairness, equality. Mm. But I think in some ways we all collectively went, right, the gays are fixed. Yeah, that's Let's that. move on. <laughs> Let's move on. So it was kind of, I was kind of curious to go, well, look, what are those stories that we haven't heard? Because from the AIDS crisis and before, but right through, like, especially the AIDS crisis I was intrigued about, like, all of that trauma continues. Mm -hmm. Like, when marriage equality came in, for a lot of people, it was too late, right? Because their lovers had died in the 80s and 90s. Mm. Um, or their relationships were not recognised. So there were a lot of people that were also left behind. So interested in all of that, interested in checking in with where the LGBTQ pluses are today. Um, 
and interested in moving past coming out stories. Mm. I think like we kind of we kind of think, oh, let, tell me your coming out story. Mm. And it's like, well, look, let's scratch below the surface a bit. Mm. So I was also interested. I'm going on now. I'm sorry, no, Louise. I'm, I'm on it. one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also interested really in, you know, how queers perform their lives, how fabulous and fun and silly and chaotic life can be. So interested in those kind of dark politics wrapped up in a party, mm. big night out. That kind of sounds like what you do, though, really, isn't it? <laughs> like, you know, you you explore lots of themes with, you know, massive depth, but it's always wrapped up in a party, isn't it? I like to think, like, when I was growing up and I felt kind of locked out of, like, traditional theatre, mm. I was like, I really want to be in this industry, but they're not telling stories about my life. I was raving. I was going to clubs. I was, you know, do, me and my generation... I'm not young anymore. Um, we were doing all yes, sorts of things, but like the theatre was not reflecting that. Yeah. So I wanted to tell stories about my own life, about my friends' lives, about queer culture, working class culture, rave culture, all of these things. And I kind of wanted to bring people with me and my gang, like all the, we all wanted to do the same thing. And I've always had the kind of, I've always had it in the back of my mind, like, Whatever that experience of seeing Beyonce in the three arena is, that rush, Mm. how can we have that in a black box theatre where there might be an audience of 80 or there Mm. might be an audience of 200? Like, how can you give that people that moment where you walk into a room and you go, oh, what's going to happen here tonight? So very excited about those kinds of moments. And also, you know, people pay a lot for tickets. People pay for babysitter. You know, they've got to sort their lives out. So like, Show them a good time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that's the thing. Like, I've I've seen lots of your productions and it always is a good time, but you're always left with something to think about as well. Um, am I right in thinking that the development of this play kind of used some of Tony Walsh's incredible knowledge of gay history in Ireland? Yeah, Tony is like our, um, you know, well, queer hero and gay oracle, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and there are... There are lots of Tonys in Ireland. And by mm. that, I mean, there are lots of amazing people and storytellers whose lives have coincided and influenced the gay civil rights movement in mm. this country. Right. Tony is club promoter, DJ, uh, magazine editor, historian. Right. Mm. And and incredible activist and was instrumental in a lot of the kind of turning points in our queer history in this in this country. And in 2017, myself and Tony made a show together called I Am Tony Walsh. And as part of the research for that, I locked Tony in a room with me mm-hmm. for two weeks and I recorded him talking. Wow. And I kind of thought, there's not just one play in this. Yeah. There's lots of plays in this. Yeah. And of course, so there's parts of Tony in this play. There's parts of Panty in this play. Yeah. You know, there's parts of uh, so many of my gay, lesbian, trans friends in, mm. this, in this play. And, um, and I think that you know, Tony talks a lot about how we reconcile the AIDS crisis in this country yeah. and how, you know, with this talk at the moment about a, a permanent COVID memorial. Yeah. Where's the AIDS memorial? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we, have we come to terms with that period in this country? And actually our kind of, our, our art or specifically our kind of film and theatre hasn't really kind of delve too deep into this yeah. subject matter. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting that you say that. Around the time of It's a Sin um, on Channel 4, we spoke to Tony um, about what it was like to be in Ireland and in London at that time. Um, and it did occur to me that we really don't talk about that part of 
queer history in Ireland that much. And we have seen it in American films and on American television. We've now seen it in British films and on British television. But we really haven't seen that here. There must be so much to say. I think there's so much to say and I think there's a lot to face up to. And I think, you know, Tony and others would talk about like when AIDS came, when AIDS hit Ireland, they saw themselves as being victims of a perfect storm. Mm. You're talking about like shame around sex, shame around bodies. Condoms are illegal. Mm. There's no sex education. And so the the idea that this virus just kind of came and swept through the country, you know, yeah. and and all of those stories, those deaths were hidden because, yeah. we, you know, until recently, we did live under a very dark cloak of shame. And thankfully, that's been lifted. Um, and, and so I think there's there's something to be reconciled there. So I hope that, you know, we always think that, you know, we talk about art being, a, you know, theater art being able to change things or affect change. But I think sometimes it's enough to let people reflect mm. or learn. Mm. And uh, Tony said something really interesting about and I think it's a sin plays into it. 30 years later, people are ready to hear these stories. Yeah. Wider society is ready to hear this, these stories. So it's a really interesting time. And I think that like parallels with COVID are apparent um, and people realise what what pandemic really means mm. on a personal level. When you say people are ready to hear them, are you talking about people outside of the LGBTQ plus community? Are you talking about people within the community? Because obviously, I mean, I know from, from speaking with Tony, from that specific conversation that I had with Tony, I mean, the pain is there you know and obviously I think we'll always be with him and the pain for the people who actually lived through that time and lost friends lost lovers lost family you know I can't imagine that that is something that you'll ever really move beyond but I also am conscious of the fact that the the other community the community of people who aren't part of the LGBTQ plus community you know there is should be I would imagine and is a lot of shame probably and that can make it difficult to look back as well so are you talking specifically about one or the other or are you talking about everyone I think I'm talking about wider society but it's complex isn't it because yeah. there's a lot to unpack like for a start you know people still don't understand that AIDS HIV is not a gay disease yeah right and that even at even in the 80s and 90s you know um, a lot of people were getting AIDS and 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 Right now in this country, we have one of the highest yearly diagnoses of HIV yeah. every year that we've ever had, mm-hmm. ever in the country. And of course, there's so much information around HIV is now preventable to an extent, right? We talk about U equals U, yeah. um, undetectable equals untransmittable. That's when people take PrEP. There's a pill that people can take who are at risk of contracting HIV to block the virus coming in. Right? So, so there are all these kind of complex... Uh, things like there's just amazing advances in HIV knowledge and medication and I think there's something about looking back in order to look forward um, and to lift the kind of um, mystery or shame around AIDS and HIV in order for people to be able to have like adult conversations with your kids yeah do you know what I mean or with each other to be able to say look are you at risk of these things because these are not like um a virus doesn't discriminate. Mm-mm. We know that. Hello, COVID, right? It right. just like, and so I think that Ireland is moving into a really interesting place where conversation 
especially between generations, is possible. And we need conversation around the past, around AIDS and around the present, around HIV. Yeah, it's interesting because I think sometimes if you live in a bubble of, of people who talk about this stuff, you can think, oh, well, everybody knows that obviously we're not where we were and that HIV is not what it once was in terms of a prognosis. And, you know, but then you say, you know, just like what, six weeks ago, you had this massive artist to baby on stage spouting completely outdated information about gay people and about AIDS and HIV and and it's kind of jarring and it makes you realize that actually there still is so far to go in this conversation because there are people who aren't clued in aren't checked in aren't paying attention don't live in a world where it's part of the conversation and therefore don't realize yeah I you know I I, I don't know that specific case but there are always you know there have always been and always will be idiots. Mm. And it's about kind of, it's like, it's a shame that somebody uses their platform in that way regardless. Yeah. But what we really need is kind of grassroots conversation. Yeah. 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 Well, look, I mean, obviously your show is going to be part of that conversation, which is very exciting. There's jokes in it. It's funny. Can I ask? Um, well, that's obvious. I mean, <laughs> that, I, that goes without saying if you go see a Philip McMahon production. Um, can I ask, because you said it's cabaret style seating and I was looking at buying tits myself and I got, do you need to buy a table or can you go as an individual or as a pair? Oh, I haven't come with ticket information. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I think there is, a, I think there are pods yes. and I think the pods I hope the pods are kind of four, three, twos and ones. Okay. A lot of people go to the theatre on their own and don't be afraid to do it. Yeah. But yes. So That's the, why I asked. So the front half of the theatre is cabaret style and then the back half of the theatre is kind of regular stalls but the audience will be spaced out. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds like it'll work for everyone and I'll actually, I'll check that out after this anyway, <laughs> so don't worry. Um, thank you so much, Philip McMahon. Once before I go, we'll have its world premiere, as I said, at Dublin Skate Theatre on the 1st of October. Just delighted to have another one of your productions up in action. Always thrilled to be here. Thanks, Louise. Thanks so much. Louise McSharry on 2FM.